Welcome to the Humans of Hospitality podcast. I know so many of you listening to this show love your local bar, your local restaurant, maybe your local hotel, and have so many fond memories of time in hospitality businesses. This is the podcast where we get to chat to the human beings behind the scenes of that industry. Maybe the chefs or the bakers or the coffee roasters or the gin distillers or the craft brewers or the entrepreneurs, but all doing an amazing job of making sure that hospitality stays interesting and the big dull formulaic brands do not take over our high street please enjoy the show In this week's conversation, we are chatting to the boys behind Barefaced Brewing, and travel is what makes Barefaced Brewing tick. Nick Horn and Tom Cooper have been friends since just three years of age, but in their 20s, they were working in bars and breweries at opposite sides of the world. Tom in Edinburgh and Nick in Sydney. When Tom sent a Facebook message saying he was really keen to set up an indie brewery, Nick flew across the globe and just a few days later rocked up in the bar where Tom was working and said, okay, let's do it and do it. They did. They choose their hops not only for their distinctive taste, but because they conjure up the atmosphere of a particular place from resinous and refreshing Canada to super bold tropical Aussie flavours. And trust me, these boys know their hops. They reckon they've each tasted 6,000 different beers over the last decade or so. Tough research, but someone's got to do it. In this program, you'll discover that the lads owe a lot to Tom's super patient mum and a very sussed grandfather, but in the nicest possible way, slightly less to his dad. You'll learn about how they crowdfunded a mad dash to Italy and back and how they've set up their partnership very neatly. So in the unlikely event they ever fall out, their business will survive. I very much hope you enjoy this week's conversation. Right, hello Tom and Nick. Thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to come and have a chat with you. And uh, not only chat with you, but you've already supplied me with beer, which is amazing. Yeah, uh, so right. thanks for having me. Uh, Tom, can you just explain uh, where on earth are we set the scene? So we are at the warehouse. We just kind of call it the warehouse um, in the office above the brewery. So it's the same place if you've listened to previous episodes where Joel roasts coffee. Um, we're in Norwich Road in Bournemouth in the Triangle. Uh, the warehouse itself is a little kind of collective and cooperative of businesses that are all quite similar in their ethos. Um, and we just rent one of those units. Amazing. So, yeah, Joel Lovett from Bad Hand uh, Coffee did talk. He actually, he's probably part of the reason that I'm here is he mentioned you guys. Uh, and I've been wanting to come and see you anyway mm-hmm. to uh, to chat beer. So, uh, he's the yeah, reason nice. we're here. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what, a good, what a good lad he is. Yeah. So, yeah, also listen listen to that podcast to find out the introduction. But, uh, yeah, great, great little space. And, uh, and thanks for having me. And the beer... Uh, is delicious or quite strong. Which which one is it I'm drinking? You're drinking Flash IPA, which is 6.2. Lovely. It is, it is a and big what's the time? Hoppy. It's gone midday. Yeah, perfect. We've gone past yeah, yeah, midday. Yeah, we're absolutely fine. We're, okay. we're on the 4.4 stuff because, you know, professionals. But Yeah, well done. <laughs> and and, and, and you've, you've, got, you've got a big event later. So, yeah, um, we've got our tap room event later. So. Perfect. And we're going to play Mike, uh, Mike Tennis between uh, you, Tom, and Nick, I think, aren't yeah. we? So we'll, uh, we'll yeah. hand between the two. Um, so I, I just want to start off with, and since, Tom, you've done the intro, Nick, uh, what's your first kind of... Uh, memory of beer did you uh, did you drink a lot of beer as a kid or? beer uh, I, I mean your personal experience with, with it I suppose ooh, and, uh, you know, ooh, was, was your dad a big beer drinker what, what kind of triggered your interest initially um, I think it was uh, when I was living away for a bit and just drinking different beers that weren't kind of mainstream because we've uh, like craft beers only kind of kicked into gear here over the last like let's call it 10 years now but like the last 5 years um but yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't drink too much, to be honest. Good. It was it wasn't until I was like in my twenties that I that I probably just making up for what I was, yeah. You did know. you did you go to uni or was it uh, straight into the kind of travelling stuff? I went to uni. Uh, Sometimes people drink beer at uni. I think is that I still did, the case? Yeah. I don't know. You're I've, a bit younger than me. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a tipple, a few few bits of beer. Yeah, um, but yeah, I it was kind of after and when I went, went away, and then that's when it kind of okay. Where was that? Uh, I went to Canada. Okay. For, I was over there for uh, quite a while, and then uh, moved on 
down down south. Okay. And was uh, the, was the craft beer already a thing then when you went to Canada? Is that what got your interest? Uh, because it was different to the kind of lager that you'd had at uni. No, not massively. Like craft beer in itself, I didn't get into until kind of I came home, and it was like punk IPA, the first beer that kind of really when you see it, like it was literally punk IPA in in Weatherspoons. I mean, like you're drinking it for a while, and you kind of look into it more and have a kind of research the beer and that's what kind of the style um and that kind of kicked off my kind of love of craft beer okay. um yeah for sure it's interesting in the weatherspoons i thought it was an interesting move when when brewdog went into weatherspoons because it wasn't for me that was a kind of a, a contradictory i suppose to my perception but it just shows the importance sometimes of getting in with the big uh you know kind of bar and beer companies yeah. i suppose because it is a it is a way in for Massively. people just to start well, to try and it sparks an interest i, I think i think they they kicked off uh, with it was Weatherspoons and Tesco. Tesco, yeah. yeah. Tesco was their one. Yeah, I think Tesco was the first. As far as the story goes, I used to work for Brewdog. So yeah, that's, that's probably a good, good, good. As, good as far segue. as the story is, I think they talked their way into a pretty large purchase order, and I think kind of said like, "Yeah, we can, we can brew that much beer," and they had to hire another guy. Um, to brew through the night and they were just brewing constantly trying to get that first order filled and that's what kicked them off to the masses really but that would have been the first craft like what you could call craft beer yeah okay on, so on mainstream shelves you know yeah. in the UK and what's your memory then Tom of, uh, of getting into beer I and when like it sparked the interest all. No? I hated I, I always thought oh, I was just something I have to drink to kind of appear fit in with your peers relatively manly at the pub quite yeah. camp going on yeah, it really, yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't, didn't work yeah. is that where you grew the beard as well yeah, 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 you didn't have that time. as a child so yeah. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's a beard for a beard yeah. yeah but no I remember just thinking it tasted horrible like the the, the main car scales and the things that we could get at the time just quite washy you know, I was working in restaurants and cafes at the time so you're kind of opening your world up to what flavour can be so to go from that to then having quite a washed out beer I remember Lefe being the first beer that Really? Turn me on to. I think every brewer's got got like a cornerstone beer that I remember as well. Yeah. But tasting it and going, why does it taste like a banana milkshake? Do you remember where that was? It was in Weatherspoons. Was it? Yeah, I'm trying to right. hype Weatherspoons right now. The, yeah. They had it. I, li- I had a flat next to the Weatherspoons. There was like one fifty a bottle. Is that why you got the flat? Or? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Tell me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, the, that was yeah. a key criteria. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I'm thrifty. So, um, so interesting, and uh, yeah, how these things happen. So, where did Bearface come from? Then, what's the story there as to what, 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 what? You go from not liking beer to all of a sudden going right. We're going to set up a brewery. Yeah, it's, it's quite quite a cool. One. I mean, so we it started from uh, so Tom was still in Edinburgh and I was in Sydney, and through I was working in a kind of a microbrewery there. Um, and learning to brew kind of in my free time. And then Tom was up in uh, Brewdog and he decided to come on home and we had been chatting kind of over... You were over... friends already? You didn't meet on the internet or anything? No, no. We... <laughs> oh yeah, he groomed me. Okay. <laughs> he did. But we, um, but yeah, yeah. So we've been knowing each other since we were like three. Okay. So, um, I and mean, he was chatting about kind of coming home and potentially starting a brewery and I was pretty keen on it. Um, and literally, I think within him... Like I was going, yeah, let's do this. I rocked up back in the UK like under a week later. You were planning on coming home anyway, or you literally yeah. came back to uh, make uh, beer a few months time, like after. It was one. Of the, I was running a pub in town, and in, it was one of Bournemouth. those. Yeah, just sent a message to Nick of like, I'm, I'm really keen. Like we're really keen. It was just have a Facebook message, but you think. You know, you make plans plans like that all the time that don't... People don't normally fly around the country in response to you. Three or four days later, he just walked into the bar that I was running at the time. Really? I was like, oh, we better... <laughs> well, we better crack I was on. just he's, kidding. He's really into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, Sorry, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to get out of it for a while. That's, so. that's quite some commitment. <laughs> and then, yeah, we just we just went full on into it. So it was, it was... So how do you go from working in a bar, somebody turns up in Oz, and then, uh, yeah, can't can carry on the story from well, it there. Was, yeah, it was, it was a tough one where... Cause we don't have any money, so that was, that was kind of our, it's been our major kind of shortfall the whole way through. We never you've not earned your fortune working in the bars, no, uh, it's you know, strange parents didn't have money to, to give us, and we didn't have any angel investors to rush in with a huge amount. So we we held these parties in my mum's back garden, we kind of turned my mum's garage into a little nano brewery. Managed to get a five-star food health safety rating there, really? which still surprises me. I love how many people... So Ru- Rupert from Conquer Gin ended up brewing or distilling his first gin, didn't he, in, in, a, in basically a rented flat where yeah. he managed to get the kitchen yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, sort of signed off by the HMRC yeah. as a distillery or something like that. So the number you, you, you wouldn't imagine... Everyone starts a homebrew. Yeah. Every, every brewer that so you will you, ever so meet you, started out with yeah. a little nervous about whether you know something would get up to the right temperature. But yeah. So the we, garage was signed off as a, as a brewery. It had to get signed up because we were, we were giving it to people. We weren't charging 
charging for it, so we didn't have to pay duty. But you know, that stuff. Okay, mm. so you're in. Um, so you're in your garden having parties, right, literally right, making garden, beer in the garage. We brewed the first, I think, five recipes. Uh, we brewed them. You know, we tried filtered and unfiltered, fined or unfried, a bunch of different varieties, and just invited everyone from the town that we knew. We said, like, we're just throwing a big free party. Yeah. Come and have. Like we'll pay for all the food, put on some tunes, have beers as spirits, and so yeah, come and just get wasted. The only thing you have to give us is very honest advice. So you can't, you can't just be like, "Beer's lovely, you're great, cheers." I'll grab another burger. Yeah, <laughs> you have to give us cutting. Like this is too bitter. Yeah, I don't like this flavour. So that we could work on the recipes. Okay, so, so you you you'd sold beer, and then um, did you say you'd actually worked in a in a brewery in Sydney? Is it? What? Uh, it was like a, a microbrewery, like. like a, a bigger version of um, say Burress and Kitchen kind of okay. way bigger um, so you'd learn a bit about brewing or brewing, was this yes. just a kind of like you know get out Google and work out how to do this or? no I learned uh, a bit from those guys so because I was um, working down there um, like running the bar and then in my spare days off if I get if they were brewing I would like, see if I can kind of just come and help and I mean any brewer would tell you that if someone says can I come and help and they'll dig out the mash tun it's like a no 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 brainer like <laughs> yeah, Start there. they'll yeah. be they'll be coming in so yeah I just came in and dug out and learnt like the very simplicities and then um since we've come back we've like it's always been about because we haven't done we've learnt kind of through almost through trial and error partially um we just like done huge amounts of research and then just brew beer, seeing what's happened. If something's not right with it, why is it not right? And we've kind of kicked on from there, to be honest. Okay, so did the friends that were coming around and, and eating the burgers, they they presumably told you that some of your beer was crap, did they? Or, yeah, uh, they like, yeah, yeah we had a couple. It wasn't like that they would say it was like... They weren't was, that harsh. Well, yeah, they, they weren't saying it was like crap. They were saying like specifics on it. So like the stout was too thin, which we agreed with. A lot of stuff that we agreed with okay. um, and that were quite easily kind of changeable. Um so yeah, it was like stout was too thin, and like the sour, <laughs> the sour wasn't sour enough. Um, <laughs> but like the funny enough, because like we want to brew like really good juicy pails and um, IPAs, but the beers that we were like well, we are brewing best and we were tasting best were like the Belgians and kind of the, the, the saisons and Belgian abbeys. Um, but yeah, we got pretty honest feedback to okay. say the least. Yeah, I think that's a challenge sometimes if you're making stuff. It's, it's do you make what people are already drinking, particularly when you're still fairly early on in the craft beer, or do you, uh, or do you make the stuff you love? So how, yeah, how did you get around that? Um, you do you do have to pick your battles. It's definitely one that, as we got further into the business side of it, it was clear because we've got fifty recipes that about about twenty or thirty of them are, are good to go. They're marketable. They're saleable. We could very confidently approach anyone and go, you know, we've got a Belgian Abbey beer that's amazing, and we could brew it tomorrow on the on the large scale kit. But how often are you going to sell those to start with? We had to. So I mean, our three core range beers now are a pale ale and IPA and a stout, which is standard for most breweries that start out. So you have to like, you have to. It's, it's almost like a like um, yeah. You have you have to appease kind of. Or you have to. Every brewery has to go through that before you start going, you know, blueberry ales and sours and Belgians yeah. and and barley what you know. Yeah, even, wines, like even lagers. Yeah. You know. Well, running bars, it's still amazing that you know. I, I love the big kind of hoppy, big flavors, and I'm so excited that. You know that that's the trajectory that the beer has has gone in because I was mm. never a massive fan of the of the pale lagers, but I would drink lager in the summer and then I drink the kind of warm brown beers in the winter. And I was so excited when something came along that was kind of a, a compromise between the two. But running bars yeah. and restaurants, I've still got so many customers. You know, just like when I when I put on what I think is an amazing selection of beers and then come in and go, well, yeah, you haven't got any kind of classic bitters, and you know, oh yeah, I'd sort of forgotten about that. So there's still a demand for that. It's, it's it's definitely the biggest part I think of the industry, as well as education comes with craft beer. It has to because you know, I mean, we our built beers are, and you know, they're they're not fine, so they're they're not see through, they're not perfectly clear when you hold them up to the light. So and a lot of people react negatively, like you know, the classic old boy will be like, oh, this beer's off. Not yeah. having that, no, yeah. no, and it's, and, it, and it's over three pounds a pint. My, my dad's the first time. Yeah, yeah, they're all northern. <laughs> I can say they're a couple of sorry. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've got a beer loving uncle who, uh, yeah, who's, but my who's, dad, the first time we he tried one of ours, he's like, "Your beer's beer's off, mate." Yeah, I was like, "I can guarantee you." <laughs> That's not, but education has to be a part okay. of it as well. So, what was the trigger then? You're making the uh, you're making the beers in the gardens. You've got your friends over. Uh, at what point do you go? Okay, there might actually be a business here. Was it a eureka moment, or did this evolve slowly? Or? Uh, we, to be fair, we always thought there was a business. Like yeah, we we never we never started. Not 
yeah, we never started and thought like, well, let's just kind of go at it slow, like, and see what we can do. We always intended to push it as hard as we can and, and make a business out of Bearfist. Um, and I can honestly say that because now I think like we I've never like gone like we're homebrew, even though we were technically like doing a lot of like homebrew and selling it to businesses. Um, <laughs> and then, we're not anymore, luckily. Yeah. <laughs> but like we, um, we always had in our head, we were always kind of professional in the means in the way we wanted to look at it uh, and build kind of the brewery and the brand, um, which has kind of led us to where we are now. Um, yeah. Okay. And then you mention uh, a lot on the website about, you know, kind of travel being the inspiration, I suppose. So uh, was there particular things you were, you got the, you got the best deal in some ways. In fact, you were in Oz, you were somewhere warm and sunny. Were there particular things going on in Australia that you learned and brought back? Uh, I would say it's, it's all about, it's like in a sense, like travel being our kind of um, uh, inspiration for a lot of the beers and kind of the, the, the brewery it's not just on kind of the beers we were trying it's about like the climate you're in and kind of like where you kind of remember being so like uh canada was really cool because living in kind of the mountains and actually like we're trying to brew a beer one of our beers is kind of a lot of kind of piney and resinous kind of hops in it to give kind of really refreshing and not following the kind of the tropical flavor um and then you have like the australian style of like with super bold uh tropical and kind of like juicy juicy hops going into them yeah and like citrus um so i wouldn't really say it was kind of beer specific on our inspiration it was more just the actual the travel um okay. and then in this in the kind of the places in the country uh, tom and myself have been yeah. luckily so does that is that is you know sub part of that is a, is a kind of uh you know you can see the memories then as you're talking and you remember the pines and stuff like that does that mean that you end up sourcing a lot of the kind of hops from those countries is that how you definitely, bring that definitely. inspiration into the uk yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, each beer I think that we have out at the moment, we're trying to create kind of because if you think about IPAs, there's there's thousands and thousands. Me and Nick tried to top the numbers up recently of how many beers, different beers we've tried. I think it's I think it's around about six thousand beers each that we've tried different beers. Some commitment. Well done. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, it was yeah. painstaking. I like if I had a round of applause button, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been the time to play. I don't have any sound yeah, effects. Jasper, this is quite low budget. Right yeah, Jasper is the dog who sat in the background. Even he should have at least barked or some yeah, yelp of six thousand beers. That's good going. Yeah, hench levers. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so we, we, we've tried so many different, there's so many variations um, on every single style now because it is a massive market and some would say saturated. But we've tried to create a ubiquitous one that, you know, because we've tried so many beers, we can pick the elements of those beers. So mouthfeel and, and the coffee flavor of the stout, we picked that exactly and like planned it very precisely to be what we think would be the best of that style. I think that's what every brewer does. You just yeah. uh, it's just what it's what you think is nice and you put it in a bottle, you hope other people agree. Yeah. Although you do so, I mean, I had a little read of your blog earlier, and it's phenomenally detailed, by the way. Well done. As a, as a sort of, you know, brewing that, that 101 was, and how that, to set that, up a brewery. Yeah, that was part of, because a lot of the research that we did, I mean, a lot of the research we did was, you know, literally Googling, like, how do I set up a duty account with HMRC? Yeah. And unless you want to read a 20-page, very boring document or... Ring HMRC, which seemed very kind of intimidating at the time. There's really not a huge amount of information out there for up and coming brewers. So I had to, like, you know, hours and hours on the internet trawling through literally everything you could think of, you know, how you control bitterness in a beer to how you sort out, you know, costing out kegs to, to quotes here. So the, the, the blog is. Funny enough, is is less for the consumer and more for if there's someone in our position that we were in two years ago and they want to start their own brewery. It's like a guide of like, yeah. this is exactly what we went through. This is exactly how you do it. It's really good of you to share that. I love that. It's kind of, I suppose, when craft beer is in that early stages, um, which I still think we are, hope we are, um, it's nice that, that that information is kind of shared. And I think even on the blog, you do say this is predominantly for brewers because it looked like there were spreadsheets and all sorts of stuff on there. So yeah, I think it's nice you share that information. I'll put some um, humansofhospitality.co.uk on there. I'll put the link uh, in the notes specifically to that. There's going to there's gonna be about five new breweries in by the end of the that's year. The, that's, I was going to say, that's the downside. You might want to go and delete that if too many people start hitting it. And just put, it's just really hard and complicated. Yeah, nothing messed, to see. I messed up that spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing yeah, to see purpose. here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, you, you, you also mentioned on the website, you know, that, that a number of your beers are inspired by, uh, by specific stories and experiences. Are there, are there any particular beers that spring to mind with particular stories that you can share? 
Um, I mean, Heartbreak Stout came from, to link it back to here, I mean, Joel gave me my first job in hospitality and I was a KP for him. I was lazy. Which venue was that? I was at Bosconova. Years ago, I, was, I joined about six months after he started that and I was just lazy. If I look back on me now, I was terrible. And eventually he kind of hammered, for some reason took a shine to me and hammered a work ethic into me. And eventually then Luke, who's his head barista and like the the best knowledge, the, the most knowledgeable coffee person I've ever met, started teaching me coffee. So it was, Heartbreak Stout came out of my love of coffee and I used to be a professional barista and be super into that world and wanting the beer drink you know there's not many breweries a lot of breweries do coffee based drinks but a lot of the time the coffee is the worst element of it you know you take care like like rupert's coffee liqueur the coffee element of that is amazing if you try that compared to Kahlua or even Borghetti, which is like a craft Kahlua. Mm. rupert from concord in case yes yeah. oh yeah sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Being a bit cloak not the bear but um yeah heartbreak stout just came from a desire from just wanting to to really shine a light on coffee can be this in a beer product and there's not that many brews that do you know brew by numbers do coffee they're they're ex-baristas as well but okay i'm glad it wasn't i thought there was going to be some when you call it heartbreak you you were saying earlier that you moved to edinburgh because you know and and you're no longer with the girl that you moved (laughs) up i was slightly worried there was going to be a handkerchief involved in this story but it's actually (laughs) 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 it was way more positive than i was expecting but nick single tears running down nick's face yeah Uh, um, so, well, so you travel was basically named after complete, like, uh, the ironic kind of stories of. I mean, well, dual citizens. Yeah, let's do dual citizens. Actually, that story's nice. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah, we just released dual citizens um, as like our main, like a mainstay core beer, which actually we brewed for uh, my wedding in December. Um, so we did it as um, so Zoe's from Canada, so we kind of did it as a transatlantic um, pale and like did kind of elements from both kind of countries and it worked out really well and that like we had it designed and just like so like the the, the uh, bottle itself was pretty cool we had like a um uh queen's guardsman and a mounty riding a moose with his tongue Amazing. out just <laughs> just yeah pretty cool but um but yeah i mean everything's got a little we tried to have something because it, in the like craft beer everyone likes a story everyone likes to be able to sell a story, um, especially in like the bars, you're able to so if, if if the people working behind them are able to kind of have knowledge behind that beer, um, it becomes more kind of personal to sell it. Mm. Was it because was there a Jekyll and Hyde series as well? What was the yeah? So we started that. Um, that was we're potentially going to kick that back off again in the summer. Um, but the one we did with that was a so smoked malt, a peated malt, apricot and blood orange wit. Um, and it was definitely the, the the reason behind that was like Jack on Hyde is kind of like the light in the dark and, and they're completely experimental it might not go so so well like it it, it it could be like a love it or hate it like a Marmite beer yep. which it definitely was um, but yes yeah, so we want to kick them off again and do kind of we've got like a rhubarb saison and kind of some really cool ones that we want to throw the, throw into the mix um, later on in the year kind of once we're I love it when uh, drinks reflect the seasons in the same way that food has, has evolved to kind of uh, follow the seasons I think in the last way <laughs> historically it always did that you had to follow the seasons but I think yeah. we lost that a little bit and, and I love restaurants that follow the season and I particularly love when cocktail bars and beers start Definitely. to do the same things so and when rhubarb comes in if you can use that it makes sense so you, you try and do the same I take it we, we would love to I mean, at the moment, we're, we're not quite at that stage where we've got fermenters free to be able to chuck just experimental. That's something you gain after, you know, establishing yourself a little bit more. And, you know, we're just trying to kind of build revenue and uh, build relationships with those bars at the minute. So we're still so young as a brewery, we can't quite experiment. But uh, we, we, we'd love to do seasonal stuff. I mean, Jim, who's in the same unit as us at the warehouse, who's a vegan chef, he forages a lot. So we'd love to go foraging with him and do that kind of thing developed a lot of recipes with chefs because chefs just have that you know something i don't have is that crazy yeah, combine this flavor with this yeah. you know the the combination so we've got a whole series that we've developed with chefs to try and be as seasonal as is interesting and something that's completely unique on the market but yeah nice and that, that, yeah, definitely... as a restaurateur you know we love that when stuff comes along that, that follows the seasons that's got a story and particularly if we can then match it with food that's in season at that time of the year as well and that yeah. just makes our life so much easier so it's not all about you know the wine and especially since most wine comes from overseas but we do amazing beers in this country because of the climate it's lovely to be able to follow that that's kind of well that's kind of like it how uh you've got like beer sommeliers now where you have obviously for countless years you have wine sommeliers that kind of they'll they'll choose or help you 
choose kind of a wine that is specific to a variety or a grape or whatever, like anything kind of the, to your taste. And that's kind of how beer's going. So, and how certain places are, they're, they're stocking beers that will be, so you have like sours, you have IPAs that will have certain hops, whether it's piney, resinous, uh, tropical, citrusy. It's all, and it, it's the exact same kind of, um, uh, kind of, what should we say? The so the same approach. Yeah, the approach is yeah. as a, as a wine sommelier. Yeah, yeah. No, and I I think that's exciting. So I'm um, just carrying on the story then. So you you we sort of jumped ahead a little bit, but you're in your, you're in your garden, you're brewing in your in your garage at some point. So we you you were selling from the garage, or do we need to skip over that for legal reasons? No, no, um, no you no, were. Right. We were then, legally. And, we were okay, legally. Good, 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 yeah, just, we were legal. Just Thank checking. You, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. And then at what point do you then decide uh, to move out of, of of mum's garage? And how long ago was it you came here then? To so we originally spoke to Joel um, last year, two, uh, January 2018, and we found out he had a space uh, available. And we kind of had got our finances in order for a small loan to kind of help us kick into our, kind of the next stage of our brewery. Um, he um, he had had someone drop out that wanted to do a, a potentially like a small craft brewery in here. And so we just kind of jumped at it and we never looked back. Um, and the fun bits of how we've we moved originally we were meant to be down where the roastery is downstairs um but then we ended up moving everything in here moves two three times before it settles like every time i come here it looks completely different every every business (laughs) will have moved around yeah so we ended up getting given where obviously you've just seen come downstairs um and it was a completely dead room just Everything had to be done to it. Uh, all the walls stripped. The floor had to be completely done and dug up. Did you have walls? Most times when I come here, people we didn't don't have, even have walls. You didn't, didn't have, have a wall. Front, didn't no. have a front wall. That's common. No, no. So <laughs> that whole, yeah, the whole front had to get done. The roof got rejoisted and redone and fireboarded. Yeah, it was... So we didn't start going... We were building until September last year. Yeah, it was about six months process. Six six months process. We we built it from because like when we say we built the brewery from scratch, it's yeah. that part. You literally built it. We were bashing <laughs> bricks together with Wookie, our brickie, to put okay. our frontage up. We built the frames for the windows. We fire painted every joist. We had everything inspected. We wired all the lights in. Like we did everything. We had to learn all this as well. Like I yeah. taught myself plumbing. Nick taught himself plumbing, wiring, bricking. Like Amazing. yeah, so. It, a lot of it, the, the inspiration was the building that we're in eventually is going to be one of the coolest venues in Bournemouth. And I can guarantee that. Like the potential agreed. of it is amazing. A lot of it was, I obviously know Joel, I'm friends with Joel as well. And to work with a you know a landlord that you trust implicitly and your friends you have a connection with, I thought that was kind of invaluable as well. Yeah. I mean, it's not the idea, it's not an ideal brewing space. What we've actually got is not ideal. We could have taken a unit on industrial estate, which most breweries do, much more space, way less building time, so like easier, more space to expand. But but if you run some nights as a sort of opened it to the public and run a sort of taproom style, because I imagine that, that would, was... would work here much better than an industrial estate. Yeah, at the, the moment, so because it is sort of building site, I mean, the without going into the boring bits of licensing, for the list uh, I mean as you know boring bits of licensing that, I thought be, the whole thing was it'll be on the blog yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, our, yeah. on our very boring blog yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of how boring that blog is um, but the, the place is still building site for most units so we can't get a premises license we do do temporary events so we've already done a Christmas fete that was really cool we've got kind of local uh, artisan producers so there's a guy who makes skateboards a guy who makes local jewellery a bakehouse came down and longer term, though, so I know Steve at 8Arch, it was probably a, you know, a bit of time in before he opened it up at, at the brewery. Uh, but the longer term plan then is to you know, get the public in, taste the beers where they're made, because it's a, it's a phenomenal space for that kind of thing. Yeah, Matt, it's um, hopefully within about, yeah, by the end of the year, start up next year, that's when we're hoping to be fully open here. Um, and then, yeah, until then, we'll be down the road in South Coast. But hopefully when it does... I mean, there's going to be, I think there's another four or five businesses to come in, um, to come in and kind of put their kind of look on the building, should we say, as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be the most hipster place in Dorset. And you mentioned then South Coast Roast. So you're already doing pop-up nights down there. Are you in in Bournemouth? Yeah. So we we started last week, actually. um, And we're doing, we're lucky enough, they were really kind of to work with us. And uh, so we'll be doing Friday nights, uh, every Friday night, and then the last Saturday of the month, we do, we run basically like a, a remote tap room from the from there. And they let us basically take run of the place. They they do some food and like it's absolutely amazing. And we just get to kind of 
serve our beer um, and do everything we would do at our tap room. Um, nice. And yeah, until we kind of get the opportunity to come back up here. So okay. yeah, great. Um, so you mentioned getting uh, getting a loan to finance it, just as a matter of interest. Was that yeah, was yeah, this yeah. was this a was this a daddy loan? Did you crowdfund? Nah, did you go to a bank? How did you how did nah. you find the cash? Yeah. Parents didn't have any money to, to still to not loan any money. For them. Yeah. Well, they didn't have the rent from the garage. That you we, we've using. we've had we've had small. You know, I'm not saying they haven't done it because they have, and we couldn't have done yeah, the brew without absolutely. them. So again, they didn't thank charge you. Thank, yeah. thank you, yeah. Mum and Yvonne. You know, Mum let us destroy her garage to 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 build a little nano brewery. So they're completely supportive. But we. Went through the government startup even scheme. though you, even though your dad said the beer was rubbish he still <laughs> yeah. let you use it yeah, yeah he's, he's a, tough critic he, he buys more t-shirts than bottles but <laughs> but no we went through a government startup scheme it seemed like the safest you know yeah. we, we could have gone nice. potentially the investment route you know you can friends of friends have got you know rich people here and there that you could I imagine hit up but it seemed a little bit cheeky as an unproven business to go give me 20 grand i'm sure i can do it that just seemed a bit like I can't really back that up with any data, so we'll just do government. Uh, they do a fantastic startup scheme where it's it's kind of personal loan, so you know. Okay, that's worth it. So what, what is because that's I think uh, nice to know. I think the government and, and any kind of politician constantly gets kind of berated, especially in the current political climate. So what 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 was that government loan? And uh, yeah, Ooh. sounds presumably agreed. That's great that they uh, that they <laughs> that was, that was was a mic just, swap Nick, going Nick on there. The mic, man. That was, like, was a really <laughs> boring topic. Back to your amazing spreadsheet on your blog. So uh, yeah, what's the government God, scheme? Just so people can have a look. <laughs> you, you do the admin, Tom, right? They they do a they do a business startup scheme. Um, they do a few different schemes for different uh, different enterprises and stuff. So if you're if you're looking to start a business, it's great to chat to those guys. But uh, they basically hook you up with a vendor, so a local. Who's, finance who's they when you say chat to them? So, so, the uh, so yeah, just Teresa. Um, I, I don't know if it's a HMRC like, like sub page, but if you just go like business loans, the government page government will come up first. Business loans on Google. Yeah, I, I think great. it's government fill in the form, loans. They send you the money. You, you you fill in forms. They they hook you up with like a local. So we got I think. A, well, they got Outset Finance outset, outset. in Southbourne, yeah, yeah. so they're they're a finance uh, kind of vendor. I don't, I don't know quite what they are, don't worry. but they then go through the the credit checks, make sure that because they're personal loans. You know, me right. and Nick have per, those, those personal loans. It's not again if the You've business files touch woods, we still have to stump up that money. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is. It's, it's, I suppose it's not unreasonable, is it? To get the money back. It's definitely a motivator. Yeah. It's helpful, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you go through. It was about a three-month process. You okay. have to, we had to write a pretty tight business plan. We got help with that stage yeah. through Dan Whale, a friend of ours, and we got we got help at every stage from everyone. You know, Laura Green at the Butcher's Dog and Dean at the Butcher's Dog were incredibly helpful for market research sections. And Great. but yeah, it was pretty pretty big day when we finally got that loan through like that was a that was a big one that was a big one yeah kind of, yeah we, we looked at each other and went holiday wow actually, yeah yeah dangerous yeah actual money so um you know you mentioned it earlier that this sort of uh, saturation, albeit debatable point, but you know, there's mm. clearly been a huge growth in craft beers. You've taken a lot of debt. You've taken a lot of commitment. What gives you that confidence that you can carve a niche then? And how are you going about that in what is a very busy sector? I, well, we, we think, I mean, Bournemouth has, Bournemouth, like, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've Bournemouth 10 years behind other, other big towns or cities. It just, it really feels that way in terms of, yeah, it just, there's not a lot here and there were really kind of, we thought there's a really big opportunity uh, to, to open a brewery in the middle of Bournemouth um, because you've obviously got so many dim different kind of demographics um, and communities to kind of, to approach. Uh, so like the, we're, we're, trying to do a lot with the uh, student community whether with Bournemouth um, and AUB and even um, ACC over in Southbourne um, and it's just more that on a, on a regional kind of um, kind of uh, outlook there's huge potential for us to grow at a very like good good rate to be honest um, and then with the the certain distributors we've kind of uh, looked at an approach now that really can distribute that we can get our beer going towards London um, and then even up north so much easier than it kind of was we say three four five years ago it's just a click of a button for a for a bar up up north and they within two days it's it's gone and then it's up there so so why are we having that why is there this resurgence in uh, in craft beer it's just flavor it's it's, it's it's as simple as that you could argue you could argue a lot of points with the americans uh they they kind of did it first they're first the post on 
most things on that. They're still ahead of us for breweries per head. You know, they're, they're still beating us, I think, two to one. People want different things, don't they? Yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it's once, you, once you try a craft beer where someone's really, you know, people ask, you, ask us all the time, like, what does craft mean? Because you've got the, the big brands are starting to kind of copy now. Craft beer, I'd say at the core of it, is just beer that, where the brewers really care about it. And the most enjoyable part for us, and I'm sure this is the same for, for Steve and every brewer that we've met, the most enjoyable part is watching someone drink a beer. So, like, you've just drunk that beer there and said that it's, it's really tasty. Out. I just, sorry, dude, we're going to get you doing it again. Marcus Gagging for it. Yeah, no, it's lunchtime, I better not. But, like, that's, that's, that's the bit that we enjoy massively. And we're, we're using just, just hops that are slightly more fashionable and expensive. You know, you can say that the ingredients are more expensive, but that's because the farmers cared about it as well. You know, the hop farmers care. That's why those hops are more popular. The malt farmers, where the malt's more expensive, they've cared more, so it's more expensive. It's just a simple... So why did we lose that? Because you go back long enough and there was, you know, there was a brewery in every town and then we seem to get to the point where yeah, it had gone and yeah. now we're going back to it. Why, why is there a change and is it, does it matter? You, you, you definitely had a wave of kind of monopolization. I mean, again, to, to talk about the States, you had the same thing happen in the States. Uh, I imagine, history's not really my subject, but I imagine there's some, some links to World War II about that, wiping out a lot of those independence and monopolization just... People after the war going, right, we can just dominate the entire market. And then people just get used to people just get used to beer the way they are. So like the like the hazy beer problem that we face at even bar managers now, they won't a couple of bars haven't taken our beer because it's cloudy because their customers will refuse it. Um, and you have to, you know, pe- people don't know about that anymore because the big brands use findings to clarify the beer for shelf life. So it's the education is lost as well. As, you, if, as soon as you lose the education and the passion. So I think people just got used to drinking and, and bars, bars, you know, you get lazy, you just want to make a quick buck. Mm. You're going to approach. It's cheap, but unfortunately, people, like <clears throat> the bigger brands are cheaper. So sometimes, like you said, like you were saying how um, to bring in a certain pro- like a product when you want to be selling craft beer all along, but you know that if you're going to bring in another product that it's more recognisable and people are just going to flock to it and it, your GP is so much more higher in, it's kind of one of those like best like you just have to go for it mm. um and it's it, sometimes it's just about the money it frustrates me as a uh, you know as a, as a bar owner i suppose that people come in and they do order such you know kind of relatively bland we try and sell you know all, all, you know pretty decent beers but still a lot of like what i would say are fairly bland beers when there's so much amazing beers we were chatting before we started this you know i go up to lake coniston and i love going into the local pubs there and it's all from coniston brewery and, and i don't recognize any of the beers and i'll have something different every night that i go there yet still down here certainly in in, in bournemouth locally it still feels like a lot of people come in yeah and order bland beer so i hope although there is a um you know, kind of a massive growth in this area. I, I, I still really believe it's early stages as people kind of like just try. It. Just got to get people to try it, I suppose. I mean, so, where are you mainly selling to now? Are you mainly selling directly to pubs or wholesale? Or uh, so at the minute, we are selling uh, all over Dorset um, in kind of pubs, bars, restaurants, and then we're hopefully going to be selling towards. Uh, well, we set up a national distribution, um, and that will hopefully kick off. Um, in the next kind of month, depending on once we kind of get our act together and uh, get certain kind of um, bits of kit, yeah, bits of kit that will allow us to kind of yeah, 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 <laughs> not alone, <laughs> daddy. <laughs> but um, but no, no, we're we're pretty strong in around the Dorset area at the minute. Um, we've gotten into every kind of bar we wanted to approach that would kind of really take kind of craft beer, should we say? Um, we we've gotten into and we sold um, numerous beers to. Um, we're looking at doing, we're trying to push into Southampton as our next kind of big one. So we've done kind of, Tom's been over there a few times, kind of dropping samples into pretty much every bar. Um, is that your approach? Is it generally walk into a pub and yeah, say, try this beer I, or bar? Um, we feel that, I mean, I cold calling a bar without them knowing nothing about you and it just doesn't really work. Um, for us, we want to be an approachable, kind of likable brewery because um, there's only three of us that work here. Um, so we want to kind of, they'll know either all three will be they've kind of had a good good meeting and good rapport so um so yeah we've all gone around i mean dorset into hampshire into every bar taking the call range and um 
try this is where you them. dried 6,000 beers you just keep much. going into yeah, bars yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. while I'm here I might just your most expense <laughs> yeah. must be a chauffeur surely to drive you around the 6,000 bars it's happened, it's happened a few but, times yeah. <laughs> but no we just, we've kind of just been around we made a huge huge spreadsheet um, just with every potential bar did you make that or did Tom make oh, it Tom made that yeah, course, I thought yeah. so it's a dope spreadsheet yeah yeah spreadsheet for anything but it basically we just listed every potential bar even if we think they're going to be um, tied but we'll go in there have a word of them and then see what their limitations are so yeah there's, there's around about 400 locations that are just bars so we haven't even hit like restaurant and cafes as a, as a business market that's you know, that be another sheet down the line yeah, but <laughs> yeah. About, about, about half of those bars are tied though Really? They're tied to Marsden's, okay. uh, yeah. Heineken, you okay. know, so so there's just no, there's almost no point of approach to them. You kind of walk into these places, right. go, hi guys, we're, you know, we're from a local brewery, friendly Nick and Tom here to <laughs> have some free beers on us. Would you ever consider stocking? You know, let us know what you think. And it's like, no. And like, I've had some bartenders just go, Heineken. Wow. As their response, just like just, Heineken. Yeah, and that's it. That's, that's and like, all, all, sorry to harp back to it, but like a weird little point on that as well for that, for that last point is that if you knew the economy of scale that these large companies use, you'd be more annoyed at their prices than ours. Yeah, absolutely. There's a little yeah. point there, because I had this discussion with a guy the other day who's, I think I think our, our beer was on tap in a place and it was 380 a pint for Save Travel. It was a reasonable, oh, reasonable amount. Yeah, and amazing. he was drinking a brewery, I think they're the no, Try not to mention the name, because Miranda I won't, I won't gets really them. cross with me. Yeah, uh, I, I mention the names all the time, and then, and then, and then she edits them out. No, so. no, 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 we won't. I, I, I don't like some to... some big anonymous brewery, I know I, what you I, mean. I don't like to, to you know, yeah. shit on their business, but they're successful. But they're, they're someone who's a thousand times bigger than us, if not way, way more. So the, think about that economy of scale when it kicks yeah. in. Yeah. The cost of them actually producing their pint is a, probably a quarter of what it costs us. Um, yeah, but you're not and, selling and, it for four yeah, times. And then the because price. there's this 10p less, yeah. someone's annoyed at us for charging. Yeah. You know, it's, we're, it's, we're not we're not buying yachts yeah, anytime uh, soon. It's like, incredibly it's frustrating. <laughs> I get exactly the same <laughs> yeah, on the cold face when we're selling the beer, and yeah, the frustration of you know people mm. going, oh, it's so expensive, and you're like, man, if you could appreciate the amount. This is why I started this podcast. Is if you could appreciate the amount of genuine kind of love that goes into every part of this process. Mm. You know, not not just you guys actually brewing the beer, but yeah, like you say, where the hops are you know are grown and the farmer that's grown them and the love that they've put into it and looking after the land. And you go back all the way through the supply chain. It's it's an utter bargain. Yeah. It's, it's it's crazy, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of the pubs unfortunately are tied, so you do you do yeah. kind of face that struggle, and it's okay. a long it's a long slog to get through to them. But I found that a lot of them, they um, a lot of tied pubs still the cast lines endorse it. The cast lines are a lot easier to get onto. So yeah. when we started, we we wanted to be predominant. We just want to be in kegs because that's what we kind of that's like the craft beer market. But we've straight away we kind of had to readdress that and. We've gone. We're a lot more heavy on our cask at the moment, just because most of Dorset will only take cask. Yeah, no, it's true. As, as a you know, at the other end of the supply chain, um, you know, we've got some relationships with some brewers who, you know, you end up working with because they really help you out with the cost of all the kit and managing the cellar. And if you you know, if your cellar goes down on a bank holiday weekend in the summer when it's roasting hot outside, you need an engineer there within you know an hour to kind of sort your kit out. And actually having a relationship with a big brewer really helps with that sort of stuff. But yeah, I can say from the other side, you're, you're Right, you know, we, they're, they're, they're much better than they used to be. So some pubs are obviously tied completely. But now having a, a sort of a dominant brewer is is useful from a supply perspective. But they're generally more relaxed on the kind of cast stuff. And actually, they, 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 I, I don't know whether they're pretending to like the idea of the more craft brewer, but they recognise it's important. And a bit like we were saying earlier about the fact you can go into Weatherspoons and that starts your journey sometimes through through Brewdog into interesting beers. They seem to be more relaxed now about, um, yeah, about you know having, having spare lines and, and other products in i slightly worry that's just so that they can then buy that brewery you know later down the stage once they learn what's popular uh, in the similar way that deliveroo have started opening up their own kind of you know supply chains and they just learn what the consumer wants and then they open up their own but we'd need another hour to go into that yeah i think we would yeah uh, just a matter of interest we didn't touch where does the name come from barefaced it's so we had a friend of ours mark who um he basically he he did graphic design at uni, and this was back when we were just asking friends and who could do any kind of any little odd jobs for us. And he doesn't do any of it now. He's he actually is a GM of a bar, and he um we just said could you could you draw up a logo for us? And we went through 
different. It was always bold and bare or just because there's ridiculous kind of like me and Tom being um, follically impaired. <laughs> not not facially. You're yeah, exceptionally. Facially, yeah. uh, you're the opposite yeah. to bare-faced. Bare-headed, yeah. Yeah, um, bare-headed. But not bare-faced. But yeah, so we went to, we had something like bold and bare, few different ones. I and mean, then he just came back with the original logo that was, and he just said bare-faced. And we were just like, yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Mm. And then from that, we had another group um, did the logo that we have now and that's just so kind of it's so it's so recognizable for us that it just works perfectly and we can it's just it really has kind of gone really well amazing so uh have you gone on did you have something you want to say there tom you don't, no 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 sorry <laughs> sorry that was a rubbish premature uh, mike grabs how, 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 how dare you say that i've got no hair i thought you were gonna butt in there and go this is uh perfectly good yeah this is a wig this is a ball gap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last ten years of our friendship. That's attention yeah, to detail like... when you actually wear a bold wig <laughs> just to uh, just to fit in. That the would brand be pretty name. cool though. Big yeah. reveal. Commitment yeah. to that joke. Uh, you've now kind of you know created this 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 beast. You've got you've got loans. You've got mm-hmm. this additional responsibility. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. ever feel kind of overwhelmed by the beast that you've created? And how do you manage that? Or are you every just... once in a while? There's there's. We've we've had little like setbacks along the way as you do with starting any business. And I would say like the stress of starting your own business is a lot more than I thought originally. Like I say to some people, if someone had told me what it was actually take to start the business, I wouldn't have done it. I think I still would have, but you just get used to you just get used to living in that world. But um, the the pressure of it is all positive at the moment because we're just growing and expanding. We're getting good reviews on the beer. Like that's the thing that we don't really have to worry about. The beer tastes good. So you don't have to worry too much if the beer tastes good. Like as long as it pours and it's fine. Um, but yeah, there's always a slight worry. But I mean, I've, I've run so many bars and restaurants. You kind of you kind of get used to just being in that format of worrying about how this event's going to go, how much money you're going to get here, if you can pay this person, how cash for it. I've, I've done that for other businesses. So it's, got, it's almost a stage of, no, I'd rather just do that for me now, actually. like Because mm-hmm. eventually the... The benefits might come to us. Isn't it? True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doubtful. Yeah. One day. You feel uh, the same? Yeah, we're just saying like how we're fortunate for me and Tom is how we're complete. Our kind of skill set is very different, uh, and we've not asked. So which yeah. we have not argued on certain who wants to do like who wants to make this spreadsheet and who wants to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, He's good. But like, yeah. So we've we've just had this from the from the kind of. The, um, the outset we've always had different skill sets that have kind of really worked well together and we've kind of had in the middle we, we know what each other are doing but uh, and like but we're happy for the other person to just kind of get on with their their jobs and yeah. know that we're going to get it done kind of thing yeah I suppose it's helpful uh, when that goes well and, and having each other's support and, and that you can share responsibilities is really useful because all too often that isn't the case in business partnerships yeah, it's, I mean, it's, go back to the boring blog, the last one that I've just put, you might not have read that one, goes into like, we structured the business for that as well. Because you you, you do hear these stories about partnerships where childhood friends start a business and then they fall out and they never talk to each other again. They have to, you know, we know brewers who have to go through lawyers and stuff and it's, it gets hairy. Um, we never wanted that. We've been friends since we were three. So like, if, if we had to sacrifice the brewery or the friendship, I'd... You know, you look as close. Pressure 178. Oh, that was brutal. So that was quick. a really long, too long a pause oh, there, Tom. I think, but I think you got away with Sorry, that. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's wondering whether I'm wearing a bald cap now. Yeah. Yeah. Paranoia in his eyes. But we structured the company to take to take care of that as well. Like we have weekly meetings where Nick is in charge of certain elements that he's got his little Venn diagram like skill set for. I do my stuff and it, it, it is a super even split and we've structured the company in a way that if we ever did come to major blows, we've got, uh, so so when we registered the company, we did 49% is me and Nick's shares, which I have 49%, Nick has 49 and then we have a friend of ours who's in the industry who has 2%, so if we ever That's really funny. disagree... There's a, yeah. there's, a, there's a swing boat one there that would just go, wouldn't I go with... Amazing. What made she, you do that? Was that some advice you got? It was, it was my just... granddad, actually. Yeah, he, really? was, um, he liked your beer? It, no, he's just like incredibly. <laughs> again, he no, he doesn't drink anymore. Uh-huh. He's, he's in his late eighties. He just doesn't. You feel come. like you've been bullied by your. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My family hates family. it. They don't like you. My, my, my sister drinks it like a fish, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's, she's, yeah. But okay. um, 
Now, we we, uh, we got advice from the start because that's something that I know nothing about. No, it's a great idea. When you run yeah. a restaurant, you don't know how it was set up or that kind of thing. But. Yeah, because my uh, wife and I are 50-50 owners. I should probably make my son a 2% owner. That would be really two, good. The and he could act as a, yeah. He's only 10. Or maybe 1% my son and daughter. And well, it's, uh, it's whether they'd be bias-free, you know? Is, is, well, is he a daddy's actually. boy or a mom's Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it depends who's, who's making dinner, I think. So. Yeah, we, we were very lucky. I mean, it's a, it's a friend of ours who we've known for pretty much the same amount of time we get on with very similarly like she's in the industry she would be very impartial she's very professional that's a really good idea so yeah I mean it's, so the, there's always that of if it ever did come to that we just go oh do you yeah. mind coming down and nice. settling an issue she yeah. knows craft beer in and out so wow, it amazing. would just be like well the business will grow this way yeah. stop squabbling yeah. but we you know <laughs> but it hasn't haven't needed to pull that card yet squabble we lived <laughs> together for a time during the brewery as well and there weren't there weren't that many squabbles yeah. like, you know okay. so um, thinking about people coming into the industry and obviously you know whether specifically into uh, into brewing or just general kind of entrepreneurship once you've set up a business and you've got that experience and you mentioned you know how much harder and how much more of a commitment it is than you expected do you ever hear any kind of you know really bad advice that people are giving or were you given any really bad advice where you go oh my god that's complete that nonsense well, I mean, sorry, I grabbed the mic again. Everyone, when we started, is pretty quick to go, oh, it's an oversubscribed market. Shouldn't get, oh, it's massive, yeah, it's done. You know, like, mm. There's definitely a skill set, I think, to figuring out who you should listen to and who's just had a bad day and giving you an opinion that they've got no... Like, a lot of, a lot of people will say that craft is full. And if you, if you press them even slightly of, like, have you got any data to back that up? Have you got anything that you can show me, any article? They fold immediately. It's just a colloquial thing. And we've had that in, we've had that in meetings where people are trying to pressure us to take money off. Like, oh, it's, just, it's finished, so you, know, you should give money off so that we'll help you. And I said, well, you, no. You know, I, and I think, I think me and Nick are kind of, again, again, it's where running bars and restaurants for years and years, we, we, we kind of know who to listen to and who not to, you know. Yeah, I remember when I bought the uh, the hotel, the first ho- uh, hotel that I bought, and it was a really rundown old kind of chintzy B and B, floral wallpaper. I think it was charging twenty quid a night, and it was it was it was just wasn't very pleasant. And uh, the estate agent was actually almost trying to talk me out of buying it. I don't think they had many thirty year olds who came in and wanted like a granified kind of Airbnb in in Bournemouth, where it was mainly run by by you know old people who were looking for a lifestyle choice and did it for a maximum of three or four years. So yeah, sometimes you've got to just cut through that advice. I think. Yeah, we've had we've had a bit of it's more been when and it's also when people have had a couple of beers and they're like and they become like the you're like agony you know, like, yeah, they know everything, yeah, and just it's been quite fun. Yeah, but on the flip side, have you heard any really good advice? Have you had some some mentors? I suppose the, one example was the two percent kind of business model. But any other right, little nuggets where you've gone? I'm so glad we had that conversation. Laura and Dean probably deserve a shout out. Yeah, yeah, they've helped us out hugely. Who was that? Sorry, Laura and Dean. Um, they own and run the uh, the Butcher's Dog. Oh, yeah. Two Yeah, and actually crossed. Um, but they yeah they give us huge amounts of help because they've had they've been in the kind of the craft beer industry uh for years now and they kind of they both worked at brew by numbers over in up in london doing kind of um kind of admin jobs and uh kind of um the behind the scenes should we say which actually was far more helpful for me and tom any any particular nuggets they gave you Ooh. I th- it's just general stuff of like you know focus on your core range to start with then go experiment it's stuff like that where they've seen a lot of breweries in London because they lived in London you know in Scotland the beer scene slightly different so when I was in Edinburgh I didn't really get the same experience but they've seen breweries start up focus on the wrong stuff and fold so they they just kind of told us a few you know like, well, maybe don't just do because one of the original ideas for the breweries we were just going to do very small batches and do bespoke brewing for events and that was it it was going to be uh, you're getting married we'll brew a bit just for you kind of when you get up to the 500 litre stage <laughs> Are you really going to drink 1,500 bottles at a... People always think they are, and then in reality they don't. Yeah, there's there's certain stuff that just doesn't work, that Mm. that you just find out, like, when you actually run the numbers on it, you know, this this doesn't work. Um, But they definitely gave us a shout-out. I mean, Adam from Brew Shack probably deserves a shout-out as well. He's a fantastic brewer. Um, Just incredible beers, if you ever get a chance to try Brew Shack beers. But uh, he's given us a lot of advice on, like, the engineering side of stuff, because we're not classically trained brewers with bartenders and you know craft you know he's, he's helped us out with a few problems here and there for for that but he got his, he got his, oh, sorry. that's right well he got his first kit from the 
same place in Italy as us, didn't they? Yeah. You got the Porsche yeah, yeah. because our kit was so because like we we haven't had the the kind of the money to buy a yeah two hundred grand kit. Basically, we've put together like this um, yeah far more kind of cheaper version should we say <laughs> yeah. but still efficient I don't efficient, know oh, yeah, 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 yeah. still smashing yeah still, yeah. Sma- yeah, still yeah. smashing out some like awesome bits almost like it's almost like kind of uh, traditional so yeah. like we unfortunately don't have conical vessels and stuff at the moment uh, but he had the same kind of uh uh, set up when he first started so he was able to help us um enormously with kind of teething issues and kind of bits um to help us build it from yeah. from the ground i think it's the nicest thing when when people start uh and it's the same in you know local scene and restaurants but you, I, I wonder whether heineken and australia still each uh, help each other out or whether they just kind of you know you hate no. each other and uh but it's nice that on a uh, i think you just sit to his money and just yeah doesn't it <laughs> just it's like very busy um just counting money so uh talking about you know kind of having a couple underground to, to, to go big what's the plans for the future uh where's bear's face going and how and how do you think you fund that do you, do you think you'll ever kind of crowdfund it or, or get we, into more debt or is this a very organic growth approach <laughs> i'm sure we'll get more debt um <laughs> we uh we yeah, well we've already crowdfunded once before we did a small crowdfund for uh just over a thousand pounds to get our kit back from italy but we ended up driving down and getting it ourselves what you ordered it and it was stuck or? no it was uh the delivery, the delivery charge so me and tom didn't really think and the delivery charge was a thousand pounds. Wow! So we ended up um, we ended up going to get it ourselves. We drove down there, rented an abacus van, drove down there, smashed it. Got there in about a day and just over a day, we to south of Rome, um, and then put it all in the van uh, and yeah, drove back up and quite a surreal experience, kind of thing. Getting so, how did you crowdfund that? You crowdfunded to hire the van and pay we for the fuel. We crowdfunded basically, yeah. As it was kind of to help with, it really did work um, as kind of marketing and exposure for for Bearfist. Um, so yeah, we crowdfunded for basically the co- the cost of us, as people like to put it, going on holiday for three days. <laughs> no, 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 but we didn't. We drove literally non. I think we left at eleven p.m. on. We left at eleven p.m. on the Sunday, and we didn't stop driving until. 4 p.m. on the Tuesday, 4 a.m. on the Tuesday morning. We just drove all the way through. It was just insane. And then we yeah. picked it up that day. The next day we picked it up and then drove straight back up to the to the tunnel. It, yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I had like a day in between getting back from one of my best mates stag dues as well. So I'd just done five days of heavy drinking. But we've we've just paid off the last people that the last people that helped us. So everyone got beers or a t-shirt or the, the people that placed the most. We gave them sorry a short tour because the brewery's only one room. Um, <laughs> gave them a tour and a tasting and a bit of education about craft beer. And was this so. mainly people you knew or? Um, no. it, was, it was a whole whole host of people. Really. Just we put up online. Did you? Pledges, yeah, yeah. yeah. Through, yeah. through one of the crowdfunding platforms. Or? Crowdfunder. Crowdfunder. Yeah. Crowdfunder. Some some of them they, they've got specific rules about. You know, some of them won't do beer-related stuff because alcohol is, you know, nice. that. But uh, pl- plans for the future, yeah, we're um, I mean, we're potentially open to like an expansion loan at this stage. Now that we're a little bit more proven and the the finances kind of support it, you know, the, the reason we didn't want to take a huge angel investor loan with someone there was, was partly we didn't want to relinquish any control of what we do with the beers or the brand because we're so close to it. You know, if someone comes in, they want really specific control ideas. They don't know anything about beer. You just barreling towards an issue I think at this stage we could we, we, we're just going to put all the money back into the beer at the moment though the beer in the venue is our kind of key at the moment you know hopefully in a couple of years we'll just be brewing all the time all our fermenters before the experimental beers serving them down here doing loads of events so that's, that's what we're heading towards not not global domination ever you open know. your own bar well hopefully this will eventually have its own kind of tap room um <laughs> Running a running a specific location quite a quite a tough one. I mean, it's I mean as you know you know Monday Tuesday Wednesday trade is depressing when you when you sat there and like that on top of a brewing schedule it would have to be very natural and organic for that opportunity to come out like maybe the right space for the right people involved but yeah, yeah we you know it's, it's funny because Steve said the same thing but like you don't start out thinking oh we want to be you know we want to be a Beaver Town or a I don't think those guys even did. No, no, it's very true. Yeah, I, no, I, we, I we just want didn't. slightly shinier tanks that do more stuff. So yeah, the beer will be slightly improved. You know, it might 
probably the improvements are going to be completely imperceivable to most people that drink craft beer. Yeah. But very rarely do I do, do I think you interview an entrepreneur who kind of went into business uh, to make a load of money. I think most times they went into business to do something they they really love. They they kind of uh, hope and expect that do it well enough and people will like it and money will come. But it's very seldom the primary motivator. Yeah, I think that was actually now you say about the advice. That was one bit of advice I was given. I don't know if I say it's good or bad, but how brewers don't make money, make yeah. good money. They make like they're just like told the average salary of like of a good brewer, and it's enough to get by on. And, and we we got into this from like the enjoyment of beer and brewing and kind of wanting to do it for ourselves I mean that was we've worked in kind of hospitality for over the last towards coming on like 15 years now Each. yeah so we both just wanted to kind of do something for ourselves we both love hospitality like yourself but we just want to do it for ourselves we, um, we're tired of working kind of for, for someone else um, and like a bigger company and this just perfectly timed yeah amazing well well, well done on what you've achieved you, you know your story's great the brand's great the beer's awesome good luck with the future where can people uh, go and find out more about your beer and do you sell it direct to the consumer online or yeah so they can buy uh, off, the, off the website mm-hmm. what's the address uh, just um, www yeah barefacebrewing.co.uk um, and then we have our tap room every Friday evening at South Coast Roast uh, except for the last Saturday of the month, just to confuse everybody, which is me, it's on the on the uh, Saturday, so from five. Um, and you're on social media, you're on the normal we are, Twitter, yeah, on Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, we're constantly doing events. Uh, we're, we're constantly doing events, so we're, we're working on a uh, record fair event in April that's going to be at the warehouse. You can come and see the space that we've talked about in two episodes now. That it's kind of this big mystery in Bournemouth. Um, we're in a few bottle shops and bars. I mean, we don't normally post that kind of stuff. Um, we're definitely going to try and post a little bit more as we build those relationships up. But amazing, yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's all take us, you know. It's, Great. Um, well, look, we'll put the uh, you know some details in the show notes as well back on the website. But uh, yeah, look, thank you for sparing the time. Thank you for sparing the beer. Thank um, you. It's a real pleasure to meet you and yeah best of luck and we'll, we'll, we'll carry on this story hopefully uh, one day in the future when you will have that £200,000 we'll, yeah, we'll really. see you on the yacht yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, see you on the yacht there's yeah, a close just Jasper the dog <laughs> thanks boys much appreciated cheers, cheers Mark thank you thank you So there you have it. You have reached the end of another episode of the Humans of Hospitality podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please go and visit our website, humansofhospitality.co.uk for the show notes and extra episodes and information. And whilst you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and to receive free materials all about the humans behind our incredible industry. Lastly, if you could subscribe, rate and review this podcast, you will be massively helping me out and it would be hugely appreciated. Thank you so much. We'll be launching another podcast in just seven days time. Cheers. Cheers.